Welcome to another episode of Through the Lens of Christ. This is a podcast that Steve Douster and I do so that we are able to wrestle through um, um, just issues, uh, challenges of the world, things that we're struggling to understand, things that we're struggling to understand, the why behind, uh, just enables us to have some uh, good biblical, Christ-centered conversation around what's happening in the world. So I'm Adam Baker, and I am here with Steve Douster. How are you doing, Steve? Good, Adam. How are you? Good. Good. And so we've been talking about uh, spiritual disciplines over the last, I think we've done five now. We've been talking about spiritual disciplines. This will be likely our last one that we do uh, regarding spiritual disciplines. And so we want to spend some time on service. The idea of how do we actually now, if we have a faith in Christ, right? This is where it starts. We talk about the the point of the gospel, the redemptive arc of Scripture. The whole idea is that we would understand our lostness, that we would understand that there's a, a holy, merciful, compassionate, and also just and vengeful God. And so we very much desire to see who we are. We desire to see who he is. And when we see that gap, we need help. And so the help that Scripture points us to is Jesus Christ. And he says that he is the gap. He's the one who stands between. He's the one who pays the price. He's paid the ransom. He's paid the debt. Um, He is our great advocator. And so we now have the ability with our faith and trust in him as we're called to the Father through him that we can be saved. And so now that we've had this amazing thing done to us, um, we have this wonderful event of our salvation, now what do we do? Right, This idea of where does it go from here? Am I just saved so that I can continue to live the life I was? Can I? Do I just continue on whatever path I was on? How do, how do all those pieces fit together? Where do I go from here? And that's really what the point of service in this, this conversation is about. Yeah, for sure. So, so while the, to, just to break into that real quick, the very first thing that comes to my mind is what do I do from here? Well, if I love Jesus, necessarily something will have changed. So, so I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have to force myself to do something I don't want to do necessarily. I don't have to lay out a plan now in order to make myself um, like Jesus or love Him more. I need to know Him, and then from there. So, so I so I guess was, as I as I really haven't thought about this subject very much. I'm, I'm just thinking about it right now. It's a little out loud conversation again, like we always have, but. Oftentimes what we do, I think, is we lay out a plan um, out of our own strength to get somewhere or do something that we want to do or we think we should be doing or we think that would please God rather than knowing God first and letting God empower the plan and create yeah. the plan. So, so thinking that I can do these 12 things and make this thing happen, then I will be like Jesus and he will like me uh, or he will love me rather than knowing Jesus and allowing him to actually change my heart and change what I love and to have that be the empowerment for what I do next. That's a, there's a difference there that may be a little bit subtle, but it's all the difference in the world. Yeah, I think it's a significant difference. And it's um, uh, two somewhat divergent points. But if you go back to um, early Reformation, you go back to Luther, you go back to Calvin, one of the, the negatives that came out of that movement was the idea of the the spiritual fruit checkers. And so the idea that that in order to confirm your salvation, there has to be fruit. True. And so that's, that's true. It is true. True, true right, statement, yeah. right? Yeah. The problem is, is that if you're not a believer 
and you think that the fruit is what saves you, then all of a sudden you're trying to produce fruit and all you have is these these kind of wax bowls full of wax fruit and it's it might look okay from a distance, but when you get there, it's not real fruit. And so we we have a a, a we see it happening you know, 500 years ago, and we see it continuing today, where it's like, I see the behaviors that Christians do. So therefore, if I mimic those things, then I also gain some sort of fire insurance, and I have some level of salvation. And that that would be a big uh, problematic misnomer. Well, yeah, for sure. So I, if I think about the fruit, the, the fruit is not just something temporary and tangible. The fruit is something that's eternal. So the so to, to me the fruit comes along it carries along with it something so so as I produce things I I well hmm, how to start to say this so so I'm I'm changed by Christ Christ infuses the, the Holy Spirit is infused into me and in that infusion something gets effused it it comes out and it comes out and it gets attached to the fruit that I produce so I feel like we jumped super deep into the weeds right we away did, and I, but I, think I like it. I think this it's all the, my fault so but, I'm sorry no, but this but, is the part of the conversation I like yeah so. yeah so yeah so 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 hold so which God Jesus saves us God saves us we're changed the Holy Spirit's in us and now we have a conduit of grace grace flows from God into us it doesn't stop there it doesn't reside in us or it's not grace. If it's grace and we've been changed, it also flows out from us, and it's carried along with the actions that we do and the things of the outcomes of our mind and the outcomes of our activity in the fruit that you might see, but it also confers grace. And that grace is a vision of, part of that grace is a vision of who God is. So the fruit we produce looks like the things that Jesus would produce, or looks like who God is, or shows off his attributes in a way that's necessarily different than if my neighbor who doesn't know Jesus does the exact same activity with the exact same result it's not the same it's of in fact it's of totally different kinds even though it might look the same by our eyes unspiritualized is yes. that yeah and, and and um i i would say this way is that the 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 image we get of the the holy spirit throughout scripture is is that of a dynamis right it's the the engine behind everything we even yes. just see it at the very beginning in in the creation account where it's the you know um god speaks right the word that he speaks Christ, the the breath with which he uses to speak, the spirit, you see this beautiful Trinitarian aspect of the fullness of God creating. So you but you see this dynamis, this Holy Spirit all throughout this engine. Mm-hmm. And so what we're talking about is that the fruit is actually the exhaust, right? So you've got the sure. the engine is actually doing this work in us. Not us. It, right, right. Yeah, not us. So you got the this and sometimes and, we, and we'll talk about it, but we get that backwards, right? Where yeah. we think we're doing it but the spirit is doing this great work in us transforming us it's the engine in the car the exhaust is the fruit the exhaust just so happens to be incense in heaven where we we see this amazing image where we're giving up these this offering and the service and the sacrifice that is loved by god he doesn't love what we're doing it goes back to this idea of submission he loves the fact that we're submitting to his will in what we're doing and so we're allowing the engine the spirit to actually do its good work in us that is bringing incense back to God, and he is pleased by that work. And so we look at it, it goes, well, God will be pleased if I do all these things. Not necessarily. If we do all these things because 
I'm capable and I'm a type A personality and I'm a driver and I can get this done. We've not done anything but impress ourselves or maybe some around us. If we allow the dynamis, the engine, the Holy Spirit to do his good work, that is what is pleasing to God. Well, that's that's true. Now, you use the word when we allow, and here's the way I think about that too, though, is if we've been, so, so I'm going to go a little deeper and a little sideways at the same time, I think. So, so God changes us. And what he, in, in my view, I don't know yes. if this is the same as you, that change creates new desires within us. So, so now we, so now we, we let him, allow him, what well, we do because he's changed us. So we might think it's us, yep. but it's also not us, right? So, so he's changed our desires. We've desired yep. something different. So we, we will something different. We want right. something different and we choose then differently. So this is a big hang up for, I think, some people. Well, I don't have to do anything then, right? Or, or I do have to do anything. What do I do? Yes. You just do what you want to do. You do what you love. So, so if, if you love Jesus, you'll do what he loves and what he wants you to do, and you'll do it willingly, lovingly. You'll be compelled to do it because it's yeah. the only thing you'll want to do if you love him and if he's actually changed you and you love him the way that you should. Is that, yes. is that yes. sound but, right to you? Uh, what I would say is that part of the sanctification process is that there's still a sin nature that's fighting against that. Absolutely. Right? So we're not, I don't want people to think that, well, if I don't lovingly go to church on a Sunday morning, I'm wrong, right? Um, yes, from the standpoint that that means the sin nature is winning, right. and that should be an identifier to you that, wait a second, I need more of Christ. But you're going to have this constant push-pull that's happening until we actually get to the perfected state yes. in heaven, a glorified existence in an eternal kingdom. But um, be- before then, we're going to fight with this. So so we don't, to your point, we only choose what we desire, right? We we will never choose what we don't desire. Never, ever. Right? I mean, I'm, there's, I'm not going to go home and pick up broccoli this evening, right? I don't desire it in the least. But God may change your heart. He may. <laughs> he may. Um, but... The point is, is that at some point, uh, to your to what you're saying, like I may have my eyes open to broccoli, and it may look like the best thing that I've ever had in my life, and then that's the only thing that I want. Right. And now I go from refusing it, and it disgusts me, and I can't have it, to that's what I want. Yeah. And you know, we're gonna fight back against those things at times, but that's the desire you're talking about. Is that now we're choosing which we desire, which I only desire it because my heart's been changed. That's right. And, yep. be, and before you desired the broccoli, you, you just like you, did, you didn't have any desires. You desired something else. Yeah. You desired something that wasn't wasn't Christ. Right? Correct. So, if you, yes. in, in, that, in that analogy. So absolutely. Yep. I was thinking of the just thinking of success and failure. What is success and failure in our in our lives and in our activities? Well, you, one, one might think success is having an having a com- outcome that completes something that I envisioned and I do like I, I build something and now it works. Right. Um, but but that's not really a. Christian vision of success. Christian vision of success is loving Jesus for who he is, and then out of that flows um, things. And those things sometimes look great, sometimes they look not so great, but the things that flow out of it, God uses all of those to change us. Um, and so there's, for the Christian, there's never a failure. I mean, everything, everything is used. I mean, he, you talk about economy. I mean, he, he, he uses everything for our good, even our failures, because they they're meant as fuel to that engine to change us even more so that we might know him and, and love him more fervently. So so loving Jesus is the key 
to sanctification. It's not something we, that wells up within us that causes us to do things that leads to some sort of improvement. Right. That's the flip. That's the wrong. It's the it's backwards. Yeah. It's backwards way of thinking of it. When it's so, our mission statement at the church is love Jesus, love others, and serve. Mm-hmm. And it's intentionally in that order. And I, I wish I were a graphic designer. And I, you know, you'd make love Jesus like seventy percent of like it's the thing you see when you look at it. And then you'd have you know love others, and then real small serve. Right. This, but we often personally run it backwards, yes. and we start with serve, and then we hope that results in us loving Jesus. And it's a, like, as we've said, it's a backward opinion. There, it has to start with love Jesus. If we don't have a relationship with Christ, we can, as a, as a church leadership, as a church, we can get you to do a lot of things. Right. If you don't love Jesus, what is the point? Right. right? I mean, we're, yeah. So I think we have to make sure that we are doing everything we can to point to Christ, that people would develop a relationship with Christ because of God's good grace, and that in that, that then doesn't say, oh, I made a confession of faith last Sunday, so therefore now I have to love people. Mm-hmm. Now I have to serve. The idea is Christ is changing me, and right. I see people differently, and I see I see them now more for who they are, that they are, as our brothers and sisters in Christ, that they are also a fallen, troubled people who are trying to, to seek their Savior in everything that they do, and I'm going to be worshiping with them in heaven one day. I love them. I see people outside that are lost. I look at them and I don't say they're my enemy. I say, oh man, they're the harvest, right? How do I love them because of who I know Christ could be to them? And so that is what that that heart change looks like. And then I serve to accomplish all of those things, but as an outpouring of what's happened. Well, that's right. But I, I'll also make a statement that maybe is maybe it's a little controversial, but I think it's absolutely true. If all those things are happening, you're seeing all that fruit of your personal ministry, but you're not in the Word, knowing Christ. Then uh, my assumption is going to be that it's not Christ that you're be, that you're serving right there. You're serving yourself. Um, that that you may be in a situation where you're simply enjoying your surroundings, maybe enjoying church, the service itself, the 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 happiness and, and, and nice things you see on people's faces once they've been served, all those things are going to be burned up. It's If, if it's not, it, so it, so if we see, oh, I'm serving more, I'm loving more, I'm doing these things more, yet we're not in the Word and seeing Christ more, it very well could be we're going down a path of just secular Christianity, cultural Christianity, and we're actually getting ourselves deep, deep into a hole um, in a darkness that we'll have a difficult time seeing our way out of. Yeah, and I think for um, to overpersonalize, like I'm, a, I'm a. This is gonna be a surprise, but I'm a strong Type A personality, right? Like I am, I've got opinions and thoughts, and I'm a driver, and I see things, and I've, I've got a vision of where we can go, and this is what we can do, and I know in me, right, that if it were, just, if this were Adam's church, mm-hmm. we could be bigger. We could have uh, more finances. I know how to accomplish those things. So the the tension point is going. That's not what God wants, right? This this isn't what He's desiring. How do I how do I put away me, and how do I make sure that I'm actually desiring to serve Him? Because we could check all of the boxes, right? You know, we could say, man, this church we had. 300% growth and our, our giving is up a thousand percent and we've got 30 people on staff and look at what we're doing and it could be an absolute disaster. It could look great, feel great. Mm-hmm. You get praise from all kinds of people for what's going on and it's absolutely 
leading you and everyone yeah. else into into hell. Yes, I mean just to yep. be blunt. Yeah. So yeah, Christ, and, and that's and that's part of the. Well, I think the last episode I said something about thoughtfulness versus being a reactionary or 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 stepping back, going back to the, the name of the podcast. Maybe we named this thing well. I don't know. <laughs> going back to the podcast and, and, and getting the big picture look, the yep. eternal look on what's happening and not the temporary look and, and what's happening just on the surface and seeing what the foundation is and the outcome of that foundation. Is it just um, completed things and and appearingly happy people or is that grace that we were talking about earlier flowing all the way through us and outward into the fruit and into other people so that they in turn are connected by faith to the pipeline of grace and that they can actually that grace will flow through them to other people too that's how god works in this world that's how people get saved yes and our i i said in our last podcast we were talking about or our last episode we were talking about submission is that um that is one of the to me is one of the most difficult ones because it's it's really opposed to who we are i believe that the spiritual discipline of service is one of the most dangerous ones mm-hmm, because we we can just get it wrong and and what we've been talking about is and i've i've seen it happen. i've been there right where i i've done Every, a, everyone's right? a, a, yeah. everyone's been there in right. fact i'll, I'll just make this Day, but I'm starting yeah. to interrupt you. But yeah. everyone starts there, yeah. and everyone finishes there in some form. Right, right. It's yeah. just a matter of how we get. But we are all we are all there yeah. right now, right, in some fashion, right. And it it can be. And it's one thing that you know we talk about uh, Satan being a parody of Christ, and that that's his greatest uh, uh, strength is mimicking Christ and making it look just good enough that you go, this yeah. has to be good. And so we can look at. Uh, the things that we talked about, the fruits that are coming from us, and we can think that, well, there's fruit there, so that's got to be good. There can, I, I will take what you said a step further and say there can be salvation. Like the, the hearts oh, can be sure. changed, people's lives can be changed coming from bad fruit. And because we see scripturally, Christ is like, hey, you know, if they're not against us, they're for us. I can use anything, right? Leave it alone. Right. Now, that did not mean when he said that, that those people are going to heaven. He, certainly when they get to heaven, we're going to see the, the sheep and the wolves where he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And we're going to go, but wait, but wait, but wait. He's going to say, nope, you, you never understood what you were doing and why. Yeah. And that's the, the key to heaven is not what we do. The key to heaven is what God does. The key to heaven is salvation in Christ everything else then then once we have the doors opened we go oh wow i want to give my life to this work yep yeah so so getting a vision of who christ is knowing him well loving him well i go back to being in the family with christ being um being just enthused and enthralled by being him our his his being our elder brother god our father uh loving the family uh, loving Christ through that; uh, those are all huge things. Um, I think about the whole. I I know we've said this. I know we've made this reference on the episode and episodes before. But uh, the book by Sinclair Ferguson, mm-hmm. the whole Christ, is just a huge book. It is so difficult and so, but it's difficult and challenging because it yep. pierces right to your soul, yes. and it shows. It showed me and it showed the guys that went through that book with us that. Uh, it was, it's, you know, wh- where the legalism rests, and it's so tricky. Yes. Oh, it's so deceptive and difficult, and every, I think everyone succumbs to it in different ways, yeah. and we have to, have to realize the problem exists before we can actually understand how it keeps us from Christ. Yes. It's so tough. <laughs> right? And, and to your point, it, that's how all of these spiritual disciplines tie together. Uh, the idea of, of looking at the whole Christ as a book, which is not a book that you sit down in a weekend and read. Oh, right? no. The, the whole Christ is a 
I mean, it's a mouthful. And so when you read it, you're going through scripture. You're trying to understand what Sinclair Ferguson is talking about. You're trying to understand how it relates to you. Um, It is a slow plod if you do it the right way. And it's the same way with scripture. And it's how do we very much how do we tie all these pieces together? And that's why we started with study. We start with the idea of being in the word. Because I would even argue that I can read a book from Sinclair Ferguson and if I'm not taking those scripture references and trying to understand who God is, I just have a really good opinion of Sinclair Ferguson, and I desire to have a relationship with the guy he talks about. Yes. Right? And it's not a personal relationship. So we've got to—but when we have a personal relationship with Christ, and it doesn't mean people can't come to Christ through that book. But of course. I'm just saying that, that our hope should be, how do we understand who God is? How do we understand the truth of Christ? That pours us into deeper study. We know more about who God is. Out of all of that comes this desire to actually put in effort, do work. The, the, as we said, the, the engine is running within us. Now we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, the reason that we have to dig into Scripture in those ways, and even like those books that ways that are tools to help us understand Scripture, is because we really know so little about who we are, and we really know so little about who God is. And it takes a lot of a lot of effort and a lot of motivation on our part, desire to know God, um, to be able to start figuring that stuff out and breaking that apart. And once you start breaking that down, you can see how how much of us needs to really just die and how much Christ needs to live through us because we are in sorry, sorry shape. And if and I feel like a lot of the, these things have happened in my, you know, so I'm 56 years old, different points in my life, but, but at different points you can see where God has really shown you or shown me how much of a mess I really am, and those are the more significant parts of my life. I've grown more and known him more, and I'm like, oh, yeah. So it's not this. It's not always this super high-riding, um, man, I love—it's true. I, man, I love Jesus, and I'm super happy, uh, but it's all—it's a lot of soberness. Um, we talked about—you talked about sober-mindedness. And now, you used a reference—I'm going to go to this, mm-hmm. the, the message last Sunday. Yeah. You used reference to— um, you know, chemical <laughs> contribution sure. to soberness. But of course, there is a soberness that we need no chemicals to to help us uh, get unsober or sober. Yeah. Um, it's a soberness of who we are and what's going on in this world that God shows to us yeah. so that we might respond in a way that's appropriate to the big picture of this world. And that's, that's the kind of soberness that we need. Yeah, and we're, we're talking about uh, what we would call uh, crisis sanctification, that when I come to these massive points in my life where I'm actually revealed who I am and who who Christ is, mm-hmm. that now I come to these kind of decision points where I'm going to go, even as believers, that we continue on this path of there's not every time when I get to that point that I make the right road, right? For sure. And so this idea that this crisis sanctification should be constantly leading us to Christ and that we're constantly heading further down this path of sanctification. Um, and so we shouldn't shy away or feel like we're less of a believer because we hit these points of sanctification. Oh, that's, that's, that's these, evidence we might be. Yeah, exactly. that's right. These are beautiful moments for us to go, right. man, I'm, I, I was just talking to, to one of my kids about it that, you know, look, I'm not worried about the failure. I'm excited that you're getting to these points of failure where you've got this crisis sanctification happening. And now my my heart's desire is that you would continue to make better choices, that you would continue to, to have better behavior. But the idea is is a confirmation of the the one who's in us already. And so yeah. we serve that one. No, no resistance, and if the, if the devil's leaving you alone, if the demons are leaving you alone, then you it's, you may well not be right. God, if you're if you're not worth harassing, there's a reason, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? That's a good point. All right, well, thank you, Steve. Thanks, Adam.